This is the Star Trek podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about episode three of Star Trek Picard, The End is the Beginning. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the third episode of Star Trek Picard. The end is the beginning. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. I'm one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out the group, I'm Chris. We have all three members of TV Podcast Industries in the same room recording a podcast for the first time in over 200 episodes. I checked it. It's true. It's more than 200 episodes since we sat in the same room. Isn't that mad? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. But yeah. I do, that song, Reach Out and Touch Me, is so, it's just ringing in my head at the moment. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I can touch you. It's, it's nice. real. We truly exist. We're no longer virtual podcasters with each other. That's kind of cool. It is really weird. Mm-hmm. It's also weird that I've kind of asked to have the camera put on. It's it's kind of my safe safety net. <laughs> <laughs> We're not videoing it, unfortunately. Though. We should be videoing it, because then we would have a full record of it. But our computer might crash, and we don't want that to happen, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> But let's get into our normal discussion as we stare at each other at a camera in the same room. We will start off this podcast talking about feedback like we did last time, uh, feedback for episode two. We'll go through the feedback and then we'll go into our discussion on episode three after we've gone through all your feedback on the last couple of episodes. If you want to send in feedback on any of the episodes to us, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries and you can go on to our spoiler posts and leave your thoughts uh, up there for each of the episodes that I put this the posts up for that makes sense yeah i think that makes sense just <laughs> just you're close that was yeah it wasn't bad it wasn't bad no. uh, do make sure you do subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com which is our website it gives you links to our podcast anywhere that it's available uh, we do have a, po- a picard podcast feed available just for picard but we have a feed available for all of our shows or just the one for tv podcast industries if you want to hear all 454 podcasts that we've done so far. Wow. And 454 is a palindrome, like today, because we're recording on the 2nd of February 2020, which is 0202 2020, and 454 is also a palindrome. So it all makes sense, right? But we should have been recording at 2 a.m. this morning. It would have been so much better. Yeah. 0202. Do you know, I feel like recording at 2 a.m. would never be better. <laughs> no, certainly not the 2 a.m. that's just gone. Oh, no, no, we were we were quite drunk, actually. Yes. It would have been a good podcast, then, yeah. <laughs> a podcast is what it probably It is. would. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I should mention early up front, right, that we do have our pub quiz uh, going on. If you haven't listened to the end of our previous episodes, we do have a pub quiz that John does uh, in 10 Forward, um, where we give out one question each week about the episode that you've just watched. And the person that gives us... The most answers by the end of the season, most correct answers, let's say, that's important. The most correct answers by the end of the season will win some Star Trek goodies at the end of the season. Yes, they will be beaming into your home via a regular post. (laughs) Via regular post. (laughs) It'll take about three and a half weeks to get there, but you'll get them, I promise. (laughs) 
Yes, so make sure you don't miss any episodes of our series or the pub quiz by making sure you subscribe to our feed over on any Romulan or Federation podcast. And don't forget as well to help keep the lights on. You can come over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries and just give us a dollar, give us a euro, whatever you think to help mm. keep the lights on. But if you don't have a dollar, don't worry, just spread the love by sharing the podcast. Exactly, exactly. Why not? Let's get into feedback, guys. Uh, first piece of feedback came over on Podbean. I didn't know people could feedback on Podbean until I got a notification from there. Uh, but it came from one of our listeners called Rick and Morty, uh, saying, Love your Irish accents, and thanks for covering this slow but beautiful reboot of Star Trek. Feels like a Deep Space Nine flavor with double-dealing Romulan death squads and room cleaners that I would happily deploy in my home. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, don't deploy the Romulan death squads, though. <laughs> definitely um, not. Although you could get an acid wash, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely leave your home pretty clean, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, definitely. You may have no home afterwards. Yeah, there would be no trace of your home <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, it does feel like a, a Deep Space Nine flavor, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is. Uh, it, it is of that kind of flavor and of course next generation Uh, yes absolutely i think certainly after this one where we see the start of you know the space travel Mm -hmm. yeah that's quite important in uh, in star trek it is eventually get to space travel Uh, john do you want to take the next piece of feedback we also got an email in from todd he goes hey guys enjoying your picard podcast i'm also enjoying picard and excited to see some more familiar faces as far as picard's mysterious ailment this is pretty clearly a reference to Iromodic syndrome that is one of the central plot elements of the series finale episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, All Good Things, Part 1 and 2. It's even mentioned as being caused by a defect in the parietal lobe, which was referenced in the Picard episode. Oh, very good. In the show, the defect resulting in the development of the syndrome is painted as potential, not certain. Well, the future's here now, and it seems we're finding out. Todd finishes off with give the episodes a rewatch. Definitely worth it. Cheers, Todd. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Uh, thanks for pointing as well to um, that, that central element around all good things, that uh, Star Trek finale uh, for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good because you also have Q in it. He's on the vineyard at the start as well. So the, there's a lot of familiar themes here yeah. uh, as well um, as they look for that. Is it that temporal uh, anomaly that's happening at three different times in that as well you have picard really not being believed by anyone they think it's part of the the iromotic syndrome and that he could all just be making it up Uh, i really hope that they don't do that say for for this uh, where all of a sudden it's just one big dream after 10 episodes but (laughs) um certainly um yeah thanks for pointing that one out as well although i do like chris's theory that it comes from the Borg, just because we have the Borg in this series like, yeah. of Picard as well. Yeah. In episode three, we do get that the kind of the great facial scarrings going on from uh, the previous Borg who have kind of been sort of rehabilitated yeah. or at least tried to be. Absolutely. As you can probably tell, Todd, we did go out and watch the episode almost directly after we got your email. Yeah. <laughs> and went, how did we forget that? And it's mentioned like about five minutes into the episode, Beverly Crusher goes, I think you might have this syndrome. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we probably should have mentioned, remembered that. <laughs> I haven't watched the episode, but thank you for the pointer because that's definitely going to be something that I now need to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, with John, I'm going to stick to my Borg theory <laughs> just because 
I think a lot of people will not have watched that in years or rewatched it in years. So I think a bit of slight conning potentially could be happening. But let's wait and see. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I do think that is very clear that this is oh, what absolutely. they're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, so great that you caught it. I, you know, I, I suppose we've mentioned before that we are all people that have watched all episodes of, of Star Trek The Next Generation, but we didn't do that famous uh, rewatch of all 300 and something odd episodes in preparation for this podcast. So uh, there will be some things that we miss, and we're really delighted that people send us in their emails. Absolutely. Talking about the things that, that they've missed, because it allows us to go onto Netflix and go, oh, it's season three, episode five that we need to watch for next week. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Great stuff, Todd. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast and keep the feedback rolling in. Absolutely. We have a voicemail from Steve Brown. Hey guys, Steve, I don't know if I'm going to get this in quick enough for your episode two review of Star Trek Picard. So uh, if not, you can put this in the next one. Just real short, because um, I want to watch it for the second time. It, just, it doesn't seem unlikely that the Romulans would be able to have this much of an intelligent net, intelligence network in in play. I mean, I know it's been 14 years since the the supernova or whatever i guess it's been 14 years since the supernova where have they been has they been staging this from the the board cube how could they have this big of a intelligence network that's even infiltrated starfleet so anyway uh can't wait to hear what you guys thought talk to you later thanks steve um yeah i, I think that's something we're probably going to learn that either that this the Talsia and potentially this other um more sinister version before probably have been around since before the uh, supernova and have just continued maybe slightly diminished but um when people think that the romulans are no longer there they're no longer an issue yeah it becomes easier to disappear into the shadows even further yeah and um, i'd say that's probably what we're going to find mm-hmm. um especially because we do although saying that the uh commodore um, is aware of them being mm-hmm. there, even though she's the head of probably security for Starfleet. Um, and what we're aware of so far that she's the head of security, or, or at least that type of intelligence, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, so she, yeah, I, I get the feeling that she's she's probably aware of them, um, but not to the level that they're there. Well, I, I she might even be working for them or working with them, I suppose. Uh, as part of it as well. I think it does come as a massive surprise, Steve, to, to your point. It's supposed to be really shocking that, um, they would have the audacity to come to Earth and infiltrate Starfleet. Uh, Starfleet's supposed to be kind of impenetrable to these kind of organizations. They're fully aware of who they are. So it is a very difficult thing to infiltrate them. So you're right. It is a massive surprise that they're there, but we don't know the extent of them. We don't know whether there's just the one operative on Earth working there or whether there's multiple people working on Earth. Uh, they're beaming in, remember, from probably a spaceship somewhere close in orbit or somewhere else um, to make these attacks that they're making on Earth as well. So uh, they may not be all embedded in Starfleet, but we know of one agent that is. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like that Cold War aspect of, mm-hmm. you know, the Soviet Union, Russia, Western Europe. So that the idea of an espionage network is feasible for me. And, and I suppose if this is the Chad Vash, it's not even the Tal Shiar, if they are even more secretive, uh, and it seems as though secretive is every Romulan's middle name, then they're probably, um, you know, even more embedded. And as well, I think, you know, you get the sense from Rafi, certainly in this episode, episode three, mm-hmm. that, um, 
even with the synth, the rogue synths and the attacks on Mars, that the she feels that that absolutely reeked of the Tal Shiar, that there was some Romulan uh, involvement there, but also that there was some complicity from Starfleet as well, that maybe... Um, again, that there are people within Starfleet with sympathetic leanings towards yep. the Romulan Empire for, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it feels more of that espionage type of thing from the, the fifties and sixties in the Cold War. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pretty good feedback. Thanks again for your voicemail, Steve. <laughs> Love hearing, hearing from me in the podcast. Brian Malosh of Talk Through Media sent us some feedback over on our Facebook group about our last podcast. Uh, he says, one thing to correct you guys on Discovery famously used the F bomb twice in Discovery season one, episode five, Choose Your Pain, when Tilly and Stamets used it in a scene. And I remember back in 2017 when that show did that, it got a lot of flack for that from many people who watched Discovery. Uh, many people watched it with their kids because there's kind of a history of people watching The Next Generation as a family. Many of those children who were introduced to Star Trek as kids are now parents and introducing their kids uh, to Star Trek through something like Picard or something like Discovery. I'm really surprised they did it again here because of how controversial it was. Uh, it doesn't bother me, says Brian, because my kids only bark, meow, and lick themselves. <laughs> you really need to ask your kids to stop licking themselves in public. <laughs> Maybe teach them some language as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's really interesting feedback because we did watch, all of us watched Discovery and really liked it yep. as well, didn't we? Uh, and I, I must admit I forgot, but I remember Tilly saying the F word uh, in that TV show and going, Tilly can't curse. She's too cute. She's too normal and too cute to curse. Like, that seems amazing that she would do it. But uh, but I absolutely remember the scene the minute you said it to me. Yeah, the same. Um, actually, as soon as you brought it up. Uh, the one thing I, I think... The, no one jumped out of my throat on this. All right. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, the more I think we about it... We can actually it, jump down your throat because you're in the same room as I know, this is really scary. <laughs> Usually I have, like, a screen between us <laughs> to stop anything. Distance to protect you, yeah. Um But it, it's more... If we look at it as, say, films these days, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we there is a, a quote-unquote darkening of properties at the moment, gritty, realistic, things like that. As you go in towards a more mature, kind of not, I'm not talking like an 18s, an R-rated, mm-hmm. but as you go into 12s and 13s and 16s, those ratings, you are allowed one yeah. or two to make it realistic, to make it more if everyone was shiny and happy and no one swore or no mm-hmm. one not even cursed but like if there was no blood like just injuries or like inferred injury then it becomes off-centered of reality right so right. i think by centering it yeah they won't they're not going to turn it's not going to be a quentin tarantino star trek <laughs> which apparently was, that was coming, but that was at one point, but no longer because yeah. then it would be nothing but cursing but this is i think mm-hmm. yeah like one two here there yeah it just helps ground it a bit more and i th- I, I do understand that that uh, some star trek fans kind of like that aspect of star trek uh the idea of sitting down with the kids and watching in the evening and it being quite serious sci-fi but not grounded in reality and using language and having sex scenes in it and that kind of stuff is something that genuinely appeals to some some elements of Star Trek fans. And I understand why there was a big kind of backlash with Discovery saying, this isn't the old Star Trek that you used to. It's still in the same universe, but it's not the Star Trek you used to because they, they are in adult situations much more than going out and just traveling the galaxy kind of thing. And I think Picard is saying the same thing by using it this way. Uh, it's saying we're grounding this more in reality than in science fiction. It did have that wonderful line in episode two, didn't it? Where Picard sees Dr. Alison Girardi reading um, 
a sci-fi novel and goes sci-fi i never understood that which is a great little joke about 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 star trek and about picard you know so uh, so there is that kind of reference to it and i like the fact they're kind of making it more grounded as you say chris for this show but it does feel that kind of does change the dynamic of what people would have watched it for back in the 80s in star trek next generation i I get that Mm -hmm. think of doctor who yeah so when they went with peter capaldi it was a bit more they they grittied it up a bit more yeah, yeah. just because of the character. Mm-hmm. And now that they've moved towards Jodie Whittaker, mm-hmm. they've actually kind of not reverted is wrong word. They they've evolved to again a different version of exactly. the Doctor Who, which is a bit more lighthearted again. Yeah. So I think it's about the evolution not the evolution of the or the the version of the show that they're trying to tell, that the writers are trying to tell, the director's trying to tell, the yeah. showrunner is trying to yeah. get across. This is a bit more of a Gritty, realistic Picard kind of, and this is the Picard for the the Star Trek for the slightly older fan. Yeah, and I think there are shows then they probably do. I know there's Star Trek. There are more Star Trek shows out there at the moment in development, mm-hmm. which probably may lean on more towards of the family friendly. Let's all sit down. Absolutely, and there's still three seasons of the Orville. So so good. I'm not a massive fan. Oh, I so am. I've tried. I've tried it, and I've really tried. But yeah, it's not funny enough for me, and it's not serious enough for me. It's both, per- it's but that's that perfect things. in between. <laughs> no, it's about things. It's not serious enough, not funny enough. Anyway, uh, back to Brian. Uh, he also says the brain defect is the condition that made Picard susceptible to aromatic syndrome, uh, which he had in all good things. Now, that future was a possible future, but it did show that he was susceptible to it and a few other things when he went back to the present. So, uh, once again, one of the little things that we had missed, uh, the connection to all good things. Thanks very much for that, Brian. Yep, thanks, Brian. We also have some feedback from Bill Meeks, who says, I'm really enjoying it. It's fun to see Picard, a character we as an audience trust implicitly, to be so distrusted by those around him because they consider him a crazy old man who made some big mistakes. Mm. The show feels a little slow at times, but I think it'll pick up soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you in terms of that, in terms of how we see Picard, and um, we'll see how it goes about the... You'll see my view on whether it's slow or not later. <laughs> I think the show itself will definitely pick up. I think uh, we're going into episode three. You've probably seen episode three if you're listening to the podcast here. But I think that moment right at the end of this episode is telling you right now we're engaging. We've got all the all that setup out of the way. Off we go into our mission. So I think you're right, probably, Bill, uh, that the show will probably pick up. But thanks so much. It's really good to hear some feedback in from you. Yeah, great to get some feedback from you, Bill. We also got some feedback through from Bob Phillips. He says, some may call it slow-paced, but I'd like to suggest the word leisurely to describe the Picard series. It is ambling through the vineyards of the story, stopping to examine a vine, pluck off a bug, or just check that the grapes are ripening. I love that metaphor. Very good, yes. This episode entwined what might be a group of Romulans working with other species in a positive and constructive way, Starfleet being infiltrated by a mythical reality, and the embarrassment of an ex-celebrity. The range of Romulan accents is particularly impressive. We've previously been used to all members of a race, now notably described as species, having the same sort of attitudes, often appearances and vocal style. It's far more reasonable to imagine that they have regional variation, like Earth still does, and that even Romulans can be hot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Crazy. (laughs) Bob finishes with Crazy Theory Alert. What if the Romulan siblings are actually deep undercover data style android twins, one of whom has been extensively surgically changed to go undercover in Starfleet? 
interesting crazy theory um for sure there bob um i'm not too sure now but certainly the fact that you can round her ears from um pointy romulan ears i wonder how she does that Mm. extensions (laughs) (laughs) no but it lowers them that's true because in that in this episode we do see her with her romulan ears yes and it's like i wonder if it's some kind of holographic projection but i i just have this sort of vision of a projector sort of just behind her earlobe sort of projecting (laughs) um human ears rather than romulan ears right and i I like the idea that as well that picard is in a sense leisurely i think um certainly just the fact that he is what 94 Mm. it kind of has to be again not to give too much away of this episode but he uses his walking stick to deadly effect Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in this episode um and i think uh i i like the the fact that you've got the the different styles and sort of regional variations within the other species uh not just with um with with starfleet and 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 earth yeah absolutely and can i just say as we did mention this off podcast i think maybe star trek picard feels slow in comparison to maybe something like the boys or watchmen or good omens or other shows that we've covered but having watched now probably about 20 or so episodes of The Next Generation over the last couple of weeks, it's not leisurely or slow in comparison to The Next Generation. The Next Generation was a contemplative show, deliberately paced, where <laughs> yeah. everybody was talking about what was going on and what their plan was going to be and how everybody felt about everything. And you would get moments of action within the episode. And I think it's actually quite equally matched in pace with The Next Generation despite the fact they don't have ad breaks to break up uh, 15-minute intro bits of uh, an hour-long episode. They don't have that in Star Trek Picard, but I do think it's quite similarly paced, let's say, to The Next Generation. And they had 26 episodes in a season like that. We only have 10 to go with uh, with Star Trek Picard. So I think it's interesting um, seeing that perspective. Yeah, and we'll get more into it later in this episode. I think it's that it's taken three episodes to really get to that engaged moment. Mm. Get it? I get it. <laughs> um, because I think, but in as you said, in other shows, in other uh, properties, usually the max they'll do is two because mm-hmm. they they're setting the plot. They just write, okay, let's give the hero or the protagonist his um, journey point him in the right direction and off we go yeah usually that's even in the first episode mm-hmm. yeah so but this it's taken three episodes yeah it's taken it's taking time it's leisurely about it i feel they'll need to like to really amp things up on the fourth right um and I, I, but i think if you could take the three episodes separately episode one is picard gets his mission episode two is uh starfleet tell him to f off and episode three is he gets his crew together, and now it's off we go on the mission. So I, I know what you mean, and I suppose the one big difference between this and the next generation, just to make sure that I'm I'm clear about what I'm saying, in the next generation, mostly an episode was self-contained. So while it True. was slow and deliberate, it was just one mission that they that they usually completed within the hour, or maybe in a big two-part episode, which happened maybe once every couple of seasons. Um, whereas this is one big one big mission over ten episodes kind of spread out a bit more but the pacing does seem fairly similar to me that's all yeah i mean i think for me it's more just that they've probably decided to structure it differently i mean a lot of time has gone um and has passed since 
the next generation. So I suppose you've just got to catch everyone up because if it was Riker and Beverly Crusher and, and so on, all and Geordie, all sort of all racing off together, but this is a new set of people yeah. with sort of interjections of the, the old TNG crew. Um, and maybe other shows would have started it off with him hurtling in to the engaged by the end of the, the, the first episode, mm-hmm. but then would have done a number of flashback episodes or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I think maybe it's the structuring of it possibly, but um, I'm happy enough with the pace at, at this moment in time for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, no thanks Bob. And also thank you for sending in your pub quiz answers as well. <laughs> we will get uh, Chris prepped to to sing the answer on the final episode as well. Yeah. I think we may have just dropped that surprise on him right Slightly. here, right now. I'm just feeling, is it like Star Trek in the Crossfield? <laughs> <laughs> you might, I do that. You might need to read your emails, Chris. I did. I have sent this to you, so you uh, should be prepared. You've got, you've got eight weeks. It's okay. I have okay. a little time abroad uh, to learn the lines. <laughs> yes, fingers uh, crossed. Absolutely. Thanks so much to everybody for the feedback. We really love hearing your thoughts. And as we said, there are some things that we're not going to know about Star Trek Picard. So filling in the blanks for us is really, really helpful. Uh, let's get into episode three of Star Trek Picard. The end is the beginning. Or is the beginning the end? Maybe. Ooh, <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, for the moment, there's so many mysteries in this show. The episode was written by Michael Shaban and James Duff. Once again, uh, it was directed by Hannah Lee M. Culpepper as well. So uh, keeping the same kind of team involved all the way through these episodes, always good. Yeah, I mean, again, it keeps that kind of fluidity, the similarity across the style. Exactly. The yeah, three. definitely. Yeah. John, do you want to give us the official episode description for this episode of Star Trek Picard? Sure. Completely unaware of her special nature, Soji continues her work and captures the attention of the Borg Cube Research Project's executive director. After rehashing past events with a reluctant Rafi, Picard seeks others willing to join his search for Bruce Maddox, including pilot and former Starfleet officer Cristobal Rios. Yes, we get sexy Starfleet captain. <laughs> sexy Starfleet captain, sexy Romulan. You know, there's so much sexiness going on in the show this time. Or as you should say, it's X Star, <laughs> Starfleet sexiness. Absolutely. No, none of the, the, the Starfleet are sexy. That's it's true. All the <laughs> it's everybody that's sexy. left. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly. So when you leave Starfleet, you get sexy. Maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe. And sexy ex-Borg as well, because we've got Hugh back this time as well. That's, so that's true. Cool. And, and even with Rios, you know, he's a man that likes to carry the scar so he can show them off in the in the bar, you know? <laughs> God, that was... Anyway, let's, yeah. let's get into it. I want this scar. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get into the episode. I got this one in <laughs> Romulus. I got this one on Klingon. John He's just on. been watching The Witcher. That's John probably where it not is. not giving this up, is he? <laughs> Let's get on to our prime directive, our main point for the episode, guys. We must face the ramifications of the prime directive. Who's up first for this time on our uh, on our prime directive? Chris or John? I think we should give it to John. I've taken the, 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 the main points the odd time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel I take them all the time, the big points. I feel I should give it to John. Why, thank you, sir. My big moment my prime directive it's the attack the romulan attack by the death squad on chateau picard mm-hmm. i think um you know first and foremost this was a great fight sequence i love seeing uh loris and uh Zheban, uh fighting on behalf of picard uh, you know picard almost reduced to a secondary sort of watcher of everything going on although he does get in a bit later towards the end of the fight um, but I, I thought uh, Loris really kicked 
some ass here. She was, and I, I love the moment where she's having the scrap and, you know, she's, she's taking a lot of punches, but she's pushed back into the, the cabinet and mm-hmm. you see the, the glass crack of the cabinet where the, have the camera. I thought that was really, uh, really nicely done. Um, but also we have that final moment with, uh, Dr. Gerati, uh, coming to the rescue, um, and realizing that Romulan guns do not have a stun That's setting. <laughs> um, so she has just killed her first, um, Romulan. Yeah. But, uh, probably I, anybody. Yeah. Probably her first ever kill. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought this was a really nice, uh, bit of fighting, mm-hmm. uh, here. And of course, some of the, Again, a bit like in in the old westerns, or you know, in, in present day films where you've got the the gun taped on the underside of a so desk, cool. you've got a a, a, a phaser taped to the underside of the desk yeah. in Picard's study. So like take, uh, that I was a nice it, little bit. Absolutely, I take it that the stuff is kind of uh, Jeban and Laris went around the house and set it up in case they were ever attacked. I take it that that's kind of what it's supposed to be saying is that they're security team for Picard, but they also tend the, the vineyard kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I almost subtitled this episode, You Thought You Liked Laris Before? Wait till you see this one, because <laughs> this episode is like, yeah, she was cool and funny in the first couple of episodes. Now she kicks ass. Too. Yeah, she was really badass. She had some great moves. And as I say, even Picard comes in with his kind of walking stick that he'd been using mm-hmm. um, just to sort of knock one of the, the Romulans. And he gets in on the phaser action as well. Yeah. I was happy about that. Yeah. So I was because I think in the first episode we had discussed I know I had literally called out going, yeah, he's an old man. He's 94 in this. He's, <laughs> he's not going to be in any fights. Like they yeah. can't, though. No, he can. They, yeah. they give him a gun and that's what they've done. Very important that they pointed out though. Cause, uh, as you say, uh, Dr. Addy comes in and shoots them with the Romulan rifle, but Picard's using a phaser. So that's why the guy's still alive. The Romulan's still alive for them to interrogate is because he did use a phaser with a stun uh, setting on it. So uh, it's important that Picard doesn't kill anybody <laughs> and slaughter everybody just because we're trying to gritty up the show a bit, so Picard's going around shooting people. You know? Well, they even call it out. He goes, oh, this has a stun setting. Exactly. Ramblin disruptors do not have stun settings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there was a nice moment just as well before the attack, um, you know, where you you realise he's about to head off on, on the mission, which I thought was quite nice between him and Loris, where he goes, you know, I tried my best to belong here. It never felt like home as you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, he looks up at, at the, 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 the stars twinkling in the, in the universe. Um, and I thought that was kind of quite nice that, yeah, that reference, even though it's his family ancestral home, he just has never felt as though he's belonged at Chateau Picard, um, yeah. in, in that sense. He, you know, his place is up there with the stars. Um, and I thought that was a nice little, uh, moment as well. Yeah. And it's definitely a reference, I think, to, you know, servicemen coming home. Um, like effectively, he was a naval commander for yeah, exactly. in space for many, many decades. And he's come home. He's been told, now you're a retiree. Now you just need to go and tend, uh, your vineyard and grow as much, much, uh, grapes to make all the wine you need for the rest of your life. I don't know whether he actually sells that wine or whether he just makes it all for himself. Can you imagine, like, the, the <laughs> banks and banks of thousands and thousands of bottles of wine? Where he's just like it's Chateau Picard and I am Picard, so I get to drink. Every <laughs> yeah, he, oh my, <laughs> he is a massive wino yeah. uh, for sure, or just it occasionally is, bring is Picard, exactly, or occasionally bring it as a gift to uh, to um, soften the mood in a room. I think. Yes, yeah. exactly. I, I think another nice bit from this fight as well was just where they were lining up all the guns because they do take one of the Romulans um, 
kind of hostage, one of the ones that have just been stunned. Yeah. Uh, and they begin this interrogation, which is really important uh, with respect to Daj and Soji, this mm-hmm. idea that um, we find out that he's from the North Country, like Zeban as well. And um, so that whole kind of regional thing that we we're just talking in, yeah. in, in the feedback from, from Bob Phillips. He has that particular line across his forehead. Mm, the red, uh, kind of ridged forehead. Yeah, yeah. ridge. Because yeah, um, Laris doesn't have that. And that was kind of a, it was one of the first times you'd seen a Romulan that didn't have the ridged forehead. Yes. And he has the ridged forehead. So it's like north and south divide. Exactly. About the ridges. Right? Um, but we, in this kind of interrogation from Picard, um, you, you have this conversation about, you know, the, the two, these two twins, these two sisters, and that she is the end of all. Mm. The Destroyer, yes. Which is very, very prophetic here. And it's just before uh, he kind of takes his acid pill um, and uh, spits it out at Zeban, but then just dissolves. Luckily, uh, Zeban doesn't dissolve. Mm -hmm. I I was wondering why he decided to do it after he'd talked about them uh, and allowed himself to be interrogated. It felt maybe... It was a bit off that, but I think there was more information that he could have given up, though. Yeah, I think so, and and I, I, and I have to say, I think that scene is supposed to clarify what happened in episode one. Um, it's not like they only just made the scene, but the idea in episode one, where everybody thought that guy's spitting acid, his acid is blood or whatever. This is much more definitive that he bites into a capsule. Yeah. It does something to his body and he spits out the acid, isn't it? It feels much more defined than that episode one. So maybe it was just a filmmaking choice to say, if we show it twice and we show it this way, then that scene in, in episode one is clarified a bit more. Definitely. I think it's also that they're going to end up constantly having to, when next time they take a Romulan, mm-hmm. the pass, they're going to go, okay, we have to take your tooth out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You have a cyanide capsule in there. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a trope. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Like, it's in every spy film ever. Absolutely. The, the, yeah. the minions or the, the bad guys have a cyanide capsule on the back crown that they mm-hmm. bite into. Yeah. Um, the one thing is, this seemed, in my opinion, less potent than the one that was uh, thrown at Dash. Yeah, because Dash one it was hit the disruptor and hit her. With yeah. her, it was a bit more like she was like go, like he she started like overheating about to explode. Yeah. It hit, yeah. Well, it hit her bare skin, didn't it? Yeah, so uh, so her face was burning instantly, and then the disruptor exploded, killing her. Wasn't yes, it? Yeah. 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 But Jebon was pretty quick off the mark to get the thing off. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. as former Tal Shai, he, he kind of knows how quickly he's got to react. I think. I think though the thing this 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 interrogation bit in Chateau Picard, it just is a really nice connection with I know Chris's main point with what's going on on the Borg ship with with Soji uh, and with uh, I think the the ex Borg is a Romulan called Rhonda, um, yeah, but Rhonda. the connection of the interrogation here in Chateau Picard. And the questioning that Soji's doing then on the Borg ship with Rhonda, I thought was really nicely done just to kind of complete the full sort of, sort of jigsaw puzzle around it and, and the picture there. Yeah. Or, or the puzzle that she was doing on the table. Yes. Quite literally. Yes, exactly. quite literally. Yes. Um, that's your big moment, John. It big, is. Big point. Uh, so help me, Rhonda. Uh, Chris, do you want to take us on to your big point? Yes. Um, so let's literally talk about that. Um, it is, my big point is Soji on, and Rhonda and actually, uh, the, that whole bit that's going on that throughout um, not just the interrogation, but it, we'll call it that that story path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we are learning more about Soji throughout this episode. Yeah. 
She's got skills. Yeah. So like, and she seems to have skills that she can call upon immediately. It felt a little bit matrixy, kind of. It's like yeah. now I want to know karate. Click. I now can speak Romulan. I now can speak to everybody. Yeah, I really like that. One thing I'll call out now, mm-hmm. and we can get to it later. But at the very end, mm-hmm. when uh, Ramda is about to shoot everyone, yeah, Soji does the super fast bionic woman run. Ooh, kinda, yeah. Because yeah. it it slows down time slightly. Yeah. yeah, like the, the or the camera style, did similar to when Daj was doing her super fast run. Mm-hmm. So that will come back. I like that. I think yeah. that I think that's going to be called out, and that basically potentially the uh, board ex board handler who was with her, uh-huh. the director, will Hugh. Yeah. Hugh, yes, um, he will uh, call it out, or it will come up on camera because we do know that Narek was watching. Mm-hmm. So again, he already knows. Anyway, that will come back to bite. But I want to talk about Soji. I want to talk about what is going on with this whole, the ex-Borg Romulans. Mm-hmm. Because apparently what we're learning is that the reclamation of ex-Borg, ex-Bs, mm-hmm. um, is happening. There is a, no- a large number of them living on the ship. Yep. They are their own society now. They're being reintegrated to a degree. Yep. Um. And they still live on the cube. They were ex, basically, when the board cube was about to explode or mm-hmm. be destroyed, it was cut off from the collective. Yes. And it didn't completely explode. So all these Borg were, are basically cut off from the hive. Exactly. They were to be reconnected. Yeah. There was, the, there was kind of a, a pretty brutal description of this type of thing the first time we saw Hugh in the next generation. Um, it's very much that the Borg, when they feel, when they feel, that you're no longer of use to them, they'll just completely sever the connection and walk away. Um, it's very much a very clinical way of dealing with their, uh, with their, with the members of the board collective. It's kind of like, eh, well, we could probably salvage you, but that'd be a bit of a waste of time. So we'll just cut you off and walk away. Um, so that's what this kind of group is, is like. But I think I, I really like this idea that the Romulans that are in the room are all slightly crazy they're all slightly uh, off-centered there's something wrong with them after being removed from the collective because it feels like no other species that was in the collective had this happen to them so why is it specifically romulans it says everybody in that room is a romulan that has has had this happen to them but is that every romulan who has become a borg have they all experienced that or is just some subsection of the romulans that's experienced it so that's certainly something we're going to see as the episodes go on, but I just thought it was a really interesting idea that one species can't be removed from the board completely. They create their own network after being removed, even though they're no longer bored, they can still communicate with each other with this, their own network that they've created. I think that's really interesting. I think this is where it's going to be interesting because technically what they're saying is the reason Soji wanted to talk to Ramda was that she was the, she was an anthropologist mm-hmm. or historian regarding mythology in Romulan history around this singular collective, this idea of shared consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the boor, ex, the XBs who are off-centered, who are slightly weird, are all or crazy, mm-hmm. um, are all the ex-Romulans who came from a single, the only ship the only Romulans ever to be assimilated. Right. That, there was, you go. Yeah. Yep. They, so this is the only Romulans, and these are the and only all ones. All of them. All of them, and these are the only ones like this. Yeah, yeah. So what we're finding is that potentially there is crazy theory alert. I think it's going to be something along that the Romulans 
have some deep connection to the Borg mm. in deep history. That's what Maybe. we're going to find out. Like, there's going to be some connection around this collectiveness mm. or collective or connection. Or- That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and that, that could play into this whole, uh, Chad Vash stuff as well that are against exactly. AI and, yep. and synthetics mm. possibly. Um, or, or where that maybe hatred comes yep. from. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting as well. Speaking of that kind of the, the, you know, ex Borg sort of creating their own network, which fascinates Soji. It'd be interesting when or if Picard gets on the Borg ship mm-hmm. as well to see if his former Lucutius of Borg days, uh, come back to, to affect him. So mm-hmm. that, that could be quite good. Um, and then you have that whole kind of tense standoff with Rhonda. I, I thought she, she reminded me the, the, the actress that played Rhonda, um, almost like Jessica Lang, actually. Uh, she, I thought she was excellent. Um, she, just the way she was like, which one are you? The, the one who lives or the one who dies? The sister who lives or dies? Yeah. Um, you know, and you're the destroyer. I, I've met you before and, it's like, oh, this is all getting really intriguing here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, has Soji met her before? You know, is this synthetic something Borg related even? It, it, probably not. It probably is Data and Maddox kind of related, but mm-hmm. you're just like going, what does she mean by that? I've, I've met you before yeah. on her former Romulan ship just before they were captured, I yeah. think. It's just really fascinating, yeah. and I kind of just want to see more. And yeah. in my head, all I was thinking was either she's met Daj before and not Soji, or she's met another duplicate, That's maybe, true. or yeah. somebody else that is like the two of them. You know, they say they're made in pairs, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's only two of them. It could mean there's four or eight or ten or multiples of two. Yeah, yeah exactly. you, you guys are filled first. I, I made the joke about, I think, one of the first episodes, I think, mm. literally the first episode, where there'll be a point where they'll open a door and there's just an army of. Soji's and Dodge's, just mm-hmm. like a room full of them, all of them, like, t- identical. And do you think Issa Brionis, the actress who plays them, do you think she gets paid for each appearance of her <laughs> face on the show? Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Residuals, yeah. literally. Exactly, like the actor that played, uh, that played uh, F8 in episode two, you know, there was 20 of him on screen. Does he get an extra percentage because so many of them <laughs> appear on screen? Yeah, and, and but Rhonda gives her a name as well. She goes, you are, and I'm probably not pronouncing this correctly at You're all. Wrong, not to scratch, um, I'm sorry, come on. Um, no, but or is it a Borg name for this type of person of Soji. Um, she says, you are the Sai Sai Schnib or something like that. And um, that's I, that's, probably not No, it probably isn't. But because we were watching this um, on the screeners, yeah. then there were no subtitles. So only when episode three is out will uh, I be able to actually see how to spell this. But she was given a name right. here, not Soji, yeah. at least. <laughs> I get the feeling it's going to be like, remember the film Dune? Mm-hmm. Where it yeah, was yeah. like... Um, Atreides, Paul Atreides was called something. Yeah. The, like he, the, he had the historic name, he had his real name, and then mm-hmm. he had the name he takes, and it was like the mythology name is this thing, the, for the, you're the destroyer, the, the creator, you're, it's gonna be something along those lines. Right, right. Um, one thing I do wanna kind of revert back to very quickly, uh, with Soji. Mm-hmm. And because we could talk about the, the XBs, and I know, I think we'll actually talk a bit more about them later. Um, but with Soji, Again, we're getting this feeling that she, you made the joke about her being a bit like um, Neo from The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I know this. Yeah. I don't think that she even cops that. No, no, Because 
we see her talk to her mother, quote unquote, mm-hmm. again. And the mother, I'm pretty sure the mother's not real. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's a program, yeah. and that's her download or upload moment yeah. because it shuts her down, puts her to sleep. Yeah. But it was very much like a. Well, that's yeah. what mothers do. Yeah, they're, 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 they mothers kind do of make you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you've had you've had that phone call with your mom. Yeah, it's like, uh-huh. oh, just get uh-huh. off the phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> but it not like... my mom. You guys have had the phone call with your mom. Um, <laughs> no, not with Ooh, my mom. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. O'Neill. I swear he, he he didn't say anything. I've never fallen asleep on the phone. I know what you mean. Like there is that moment where she's saying even. I didn't know anything about the Romulans. I didn't know about the fact that this was the last ever ship assimilated. I didn't know Romulan before walking into that room. If you told me 10 minutes ago that I was suddenly going to be able to speak all this language and I'm going to be able to understand everything that was happening there, I wouldn't understand why. It's reasonably obvious, but we might as well call it out. She doesn't know that she's synthetic and that's coming across in here. She doesn't know that she's been built and has uh, a computer inside her brain that's telling her what she needs to be told in whatever situation that she's in. And just in that phone call to the mother, this time seeing the phone call, you can tell the face is actually computer generated. It's not the usual Star Trek, Star Trek thing of a hologram of a human being projected. It's a, it is a, it is a CGI created face in this scene. Yeah. So that's on purpose. That is, you know, she, she sees it and probably feels like she's seeing a human face, but it is a computer, I think. So I think we're, I think you're right, Chris. There is no actual mother that looks like this. Uh, it's been embedded and it is, and she does have her keywords to turn her into whatever yeah. she needs to uh, know for the following day. But it's a really interesting scene. Uh, I love those moments with Soji on the, on the sleeper awakens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So that's kind of rounds up my, points on Zoji. Mm. Uh, I know we'll, we'll, we'll discuss more. There is a lot more to talk. But Derek, what's your uh, prime directive? I really like the flashback uh, in this episode. Uh, Jean-Luc Picard's uh, last desperate solution to continue the Romulan evacuation. Um, I, I just really like seeing it on screen because we've speculated yeah. about what happened and, you know, we we saw the backstory in, in some of the comic books. We saw some things that were going on uh, in Romulan space. We've heard little bits of dialogue here and there. But I really liked seeing uh, Rafi and Jean-Luc together at the beginning of this episode telling us what happened effectively he was trying to do exactly what captain jean-luc picard always used to do which is he's trying to do everything to save lives and starfleet have turned on him uh, starfleet are saying absolutely not and not only that your plan's not workable you can't do this we're pulling out of space we're getting rid of synthetics all of the things that were massively important yeah. in jean-luc picard's career have all come crashing down and he says accept my resignation or allow me to go on this mission and they go, we'll accept your resignation. Yeah, it was that great moment where Rafi says, you know, there must be some um, wild, desperate solution, this last gasp Mm -hmm. uh, attempt. And he's kind of, I did that. It was, look, if you don't allow this or don't do this, I'll resign. And instead they took um, the resignation. That was this desperate, wild solution Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, he didn't think they would ever accept. And again, I'm really liking the fact that this, um, you know, the, I suppose the legend of Picard, uh, and again, he's being told no, uh, I I think is is really, really good. Um, And I I must say, I love that. I love these flashbacks going back to 14 years ago. I suspect it won't happen on every episode, but just getting that context of this attack on Mars um, and certainly then this relationship of of Rafi and Jean-Luc Picard, um, because I I think it links really nicely to the Vasquez rocks where Rafi's little kind of caravan is as Mm -hmm. well uh, and some of the the 
differences or different choices that Jean-Luc makes um, in having those difficult conversations with Rafi. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like this, but we do hear that Rafi believes it is, it sniffs, it smells, it reeks of Tal Shiar yeah. uh, in, in terms of the the attack on Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the the final part, really, of this of this moment. Picard's gone in to do this. Rafi thinks that uh, he should absolutely have had this mission sanctioned and to go and save the Romulans. Um, I like the fact that it ends off costing Rafi her job as well. Um, that's the division between the two of them, effectively. He handed in or said he was going to retire if they didn't allow him to do the mission. So he loses his job, and because of that, she is also uh, has her commission taken away as well. I think that's a really interesting piece. But she does mention, and it's just a quick line of dialogue there. We're going to talk about the other one, I think, in a second as well, John. And but she mentions there that she feels that the plot on on Mars was orchestrated by the Romulans uh, by the Tal Shiar. So that's a little bit more confirmation for some of the theories that we've had. Um, so there has been some idea that the Romulans might have been involved all the way back to fourteen years ago, effectively. Okay, this is my ignorance, and potentially mm-hmm. some of our uh, listeners will be able to help us. Was Rafi in this before? Was she in TNG? For me, th- this is mm-hmm. like, it, if this had been a Counselor Troy, yeah. or uh, uh, someone from TNG mm-hmm. that we actually knew, because they're, they're showing that there's this, like, there is this level of bond. Absolutely. In, the, in like, that they, 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 she'll follow him into the ends of the earth, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Maybe it was in one of his. I just, I, it's a character I'm not aware of. It's a character I'm kind of like, okay, I, I get what you're doing. I know, mm-hmm. just, I need a bit more background depth. And yeah. We will get that potentially in the future. Definitely. But I was just wondering, was there a character like, is she just like a, a one off character that was shown on the Enterprise back in the original days? <laughs> or was she in, not Voyager, but Deep Space Nine or something? No, no the, the first appearance of, of Rafi Busker, the character, is in the comic book uh, prequel comics, the Star Trek Picard countdown comics that we that we were talking about. There's not a huge amount of her in there. There's not a huge amount of extra uh, information that you have about her. What we do know from the comic books is that she's um, the foremost authority in Starfleet on Romulans, which is why she works with Picard. And really the reason why the two of them are working together is because they're trying to do this evacuation attempt for all the Romulan planets. So he needs the best person involved. They had worked together before the comic books, according to what's in the comics, but we've never seen any actress portray the character before. So this is the first appearance in the show uh, was last episode. And that's the first time we'd ever seen her on TV before. And the comic books were a little bit earlier, but uh, yeah. And uh, complete aside, I'm mm-hmm. just, is she going to be the love interest? No. No. Okay. I would say no. I think it's much more of a uh, once Riker went off and became a captain of a, another ship, he needed a first officer. This became his next first officer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I just, I'm still trying to figure out, is there, are they even going to do a love interest or type of thing in this show? And if it is, then my, the only person I can think of is Rafi. Right. And I'm like, hmm. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they'll get this. I don't know. I don't think, but the history that we've already learned mm-hmm. and the 14 years, and now she's addicted to snakeskin yeah. um, and everything. I'm like, mm. yeah, I would be pulling the same face if there was a love interest with Picard. He's 94. <laughs> now, that's not to say that they can't, you know, get down uh, and, and so on, but get down, yeah, get down. I don't know whether. Uh, I I want one episode where there's some kind of uh, will they of, won't they uh, OAP uh, extravaganza. <laughs> hey, if he can take on Romulans, he, I'm sure that he'll is take true. On that is other true. Other things, 
Picard's love interest is seeking out new life and new civilizations <laughs> and probably going where other men have gone before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely came across the wrong way. I'm boldly going where no man has gone before. So. Well, if you're seeking out new life forms, that's yeah. probably why. Well, exactly. <laughs> there, there could be a love interest here, but let's hope not. Yeah, I, I think I, I think if they go down that route, potentially it may be wrong, but we will. I think it would be better to be as a um, a mentor-mentee relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. I, I just get the hint. Exactly. It would feel like walking in on my parents. True, um, true. I can't allow that to change my view of Jean-Luc Picard's or, or Patrick Stewart, for that matter. You are so ageist. I know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Everybody deserves However love. vibrant he is. So, yes, Everybody exactly. deserves love. It is interesting, since there's so much stuff going on about people not wanting to... Um, to live on and work on after the age of 65 at the moment. You hear this in every country at the moment that that's going to extend. Unfortunately, in the 24th century, people are living <laughs> on and working until 92 years old. <laughs> exactly. uh, what was it? Eight, I guess 80 years old is when he hands in his notice and expects them to keep him on board. So we're going to be working a lot longer in the future. <laughs> we're living a lot longer. Anyway, moving on, gentlemen, I think it's about time we move on to our Omega Directive. Implement the Omega Directive immediately. So, John, I think you're up first. What is your Omega point? Yeah, I think this links to, to Derek's last point, actually. Um, first off, I loved Patrick Stewart and Michelle Hurd here, um, Rafi and, and Jean-Luc Picard, mm-hmm. and just their whole kind of conversation. I thought Michelle Hurd was absolutely fantastic here yeah. uh, in the interchange. That kind of, that, that feeling of, being betrayed um you know the betrayal of hurt that she had was really really good um you know she she talks about that sl- you know she felt humiliated in in going into the commander in chief the cnc after picard had come um from from seeing them you know mm-hmm. it was kind of following the the main act it, it felt like everything she had done to prepare him and he went in and he Try to use his personality. I think as, you know, as Bob Phillips said in the feedback, this idea of an ex-celebrity no longer having that celebrity pull. And, and it just didn't work. And I thought her, as I say, her sense of hurt and betrayal and the, the line where she goes, you know, I've been sliding into humiliation and rage over the last 14 years since that happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, this idea that, you know, she, she talks about Picard's grand chateau, the vineyards, the the heirlooms, the 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 big furniture, and she goes, I, I would show you around my small caravan, but I would just feel humiliated yeah. a, a, again. Um, and to me, it's a great follow on from the dressing down that Admiral Clancy gave to Picard in the last episode, in episode two. He's having to eat some humble pie, and I think here is a heavy dose of humble pie from Raffi to uh, Jean-Luc uh, and even just that moment where you know she goes but you never visited yeah but you're coming here now wanting a pilot and a ship and and Romulan expertise yeah. and um, why didn't you even call kind yeah, of, yeah. It, it and and you look at Picard in a different light and I just found that really uh interesting um, the emotional exchange and engagement between the two mm-hmm. and I think you pointed out Derek as well you know the difference from 14 years ago is you know as she goes in to see the CNC after the attack on Mars 
he shouts Raffi, but stays seated on, on the chair. He doesn't go after her. Whereas here, as she kind of is saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go down another rabbit hole with you and, and leaves the caravan, uh, to go off it to, to her own thoughts effectively. Um, he shouts at Raffi and then goes after her to, yeah. to try and persuade her. And I thought this was really, uh, really nice. Uh, and even that follow up exchange, uh, later on, uh, it is just really nice that she won't be going with him, or so we think at this moment in time. But she, or did we? Yeah, but she, <laughs> you know, she doesn't want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But I'll get you a pilot, and then you have that great moment later on where she is trawling through uh, all this stuff, mm-hmm. and Jean Luc uh, calls her up, sends all the data on Bruce Maddox. Uh, and and goes like make it so, and then just Carry hangs on. up, and she's like, <laughs> but she is, she's intrigued because of the little attractant that he kind of left uh, right at the end of, of episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there are Romulans operating deep within Starfleet on Earth. So yeah. I, I loved, I loved this. I thought Michelle Hurd was absolutely great absolutely. Uh, here. Yeah. Okay, so I love the character Rafi. Um, in terms of the Picard dressing down and stuff. I think this is great. I, yeah. I thought this was nice to see him eat the humble pie. Mm-hmm. The disagreement I had was, as you just mentioned, he then calls Rafi after doing this very much humble pie, like basically accepting and apologizing to her, going, mm-hmm. yes, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have following her, which was great. Cause that scene where he was out of breath. Yeah. And he's like, wait, let's do yeah. old man here. Remember? <laughs> um, was, it, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Unfortunately, when he then calls her, he then slips directly back into Picard, Captain what? Picard, where he just, yeah. he's like, yeah, here's all the stuff, go do it. But that's what I thought was the is the great gag, isn't it? It's like, he calls her up going, I know you're researching all this information. And she goes, well, maybe. No, I'm not. And he's like, here's all the information. Now you can look into all the files and... uh Carry on, which is yeah. absolutely what he would say to any member of his crew. He knows she's back. Like, he knows once he's apologized and once he's done everything for her, he knows that he's kind of got her back on his side, you know? But he knows he's still going to have to eat a bit more humble by the Yeah, he's, he's got to work at it. And I, I think yeah. I think that's it. I think, obviously, you don't get to be Admiral in Starfleet. Like, he, you know, he, he is a persuasive character. Yeah. He is um, magnetic. He, he is charismatic. And so... He's still trying to convince her. Um, and I suppose as well, being an admiral, you need to know your crew. You need to know your officers. And he knows her as mm-hmm. well. He knows that it, it's why he, he let slip the, the Romulans operating deep undercover in yeah. Starfleet. Um, because he knows that that will engage her yeah. in, in that sense. Yeah. So, um, I, I just, but I, I, I thought it was really, um, nicely done. And I think even that second attempt by Picard, you know, to try and get her to follow him down the rabbit hole, as she says, um, at least at that stage, it's, it's no. Yeah. Um, I think that's the great thing about how Michelle heard you see that she's torn. She does want to go. She does want to help him, but she feels utterly hurt and betrayed by Picard yeah. as to how it was left 14 years ago and the fact that there's effectively no contact with her since yet she sees him 
on the TV with mm-hmm. that interview. She knows a massive house. Yeah, she knows his life, and, and it's a really tough scene to watch for seeing Picard, who you also hold up. Yeah. That's not on Jean Luc. You you didn't do well there, Jean Luc, uh, and I I like that. I like that. Um, it doesn't undermine him. It's just saying he has his flaws. But I do think it's also kind of hurts Star Trek fans a little bit. It hurt me a little bit because one of the things that you always love about Picard and by the end of The Next Generation is those characters became a family aboard the ship. It was one of the kind of differences, I suppose, the big difference between the old first series Star Trek and The Next Generation is that by the end of the show, they had all gone to each other's weddings, they'd all knew each other's kids kind of thing, they'd all, they were all family. And to have this character that we didn't know much about, as you mentioned, Chris, she's not around in the Next Generation or anything like that, but it's established that they had a very close relationship as Captain and Number One, or as Admiral and Number One. And what it's saying here is, she didn't become a member of the family Picard. She didn't get the contact from him after she left Starfleet and he left Starfleet. So... That almost hurts because you kind of feel like Captain Picard would always keep in contact with all the people he worked with and he'd always be interested in their lives and always be interested in what they're doing. And she's telling him, why didn't you once come and contact me? I was hurting. I was in a really bad way and not once did you come and ask me, was I okay? That feels like, oh, that's not what I thought Captain Picard would be like after the end of Next Generation. And I just think it's supposed to hurt. It's supposed to show you that he is a bit arrogant in the idea that of who he is and his celebrity. So he drove her to drugs. Significant. Well, yeah. That's gonna come back that's gonna come back at some point in the series. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well we're we're wondering why she's off to uh, this planet. She's not actually gonna be on board the ship helping out Picard. She's actually catching a lift with him going to a planet that with the quick reference of the show, it looks like a gambling planet, possibly gambling debts, possibly yes, problems free cloud. There for her. Free cloud, yeah. So um so possibly there's some stuff, uh, some serious stuff that's gone on in her life that we'll find out in the next couple of episodes. I'm getting the vision of Cloud City and Bespin, but mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to jump in very quickly. Just a quick point from mm-hmm. my um, Omega directive: Narek and Narissa, mm-hmm. or previously Lieutenant Rissa, which she was called Narissa, um, called out in episode two, right towards the end. But now it's she is 100 percent Romulan. It's mm-hmm. confirmed. Yeah. It was a surgery. We see her live. She's now on the board cube. Exactly. So she sent her advance hologram uh, to talk to him last time, and this yes. time she was on the ship getting there, basically. Yeah. So that she <laughs> is idea. there. Um, so Narek and Arissa, they are siblings. Um, they are Tal Shiar. They are Shatvash. Pretty sure they are Shatvash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good. It's just, it's going to, these are going to be the two to watch. Absolutely. I absolutely. think Narek will be the, have a redemption at some point in this. Maybe. He will be the, the bad guy turned good towards the end. Okay. Uh, she will be the, the bad girl, bad woman that stays bad. Interesting, yeah. It put, it's Narek's actually in love with Soji. Mm. Will have to be. Will basically turn on the Shatvash right. to basically be with her. And Narissa basically is the antagonist. Now, um, I, now I didn't get any of that, but I, I understand why you might think that. Yes. I, I didn't think that was what was going to happen, especially when he turns around to Soji and says, "I think I'm falling in love with you." You absolutely, well, I absolutely think that's another tactic of Narek oh, to yeah. get the information out of her. I don't think there's any feeling on his side. I loved that conversation in episode two uh, after we see the two of them waking up beside each other. I love that conversation where she's going, is this supposed to be a secret or is it okay? And he's like, mm, the former. 
Um, you know, he's kind of very straight down the line with her. Don't tell anybody we have a relationship because basically I'm trying to get information out of you and that's it. It's a honey um, pot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how did we get through a whole, the whole of episode two without mentioning that the character of Lieutenant Rizzo, who is now uh, Nerissa, is played by Peyton List from Gotham, John. Yes, exactly. So we covered Gotham for five years. She was the third Poison Ivy on Gotham, uh, got the character for the last two seasons of the show. I did a great job on there. It's very difficult coming in to a role that's been played by two other actresses. Absolutely. And taking it over. And she played a great character of Poison Ivy on there. I really like her in this, though. I really like the... That you can tell the machinations that are going on in her mind as she's, as she's, uh, niggling at her younger brother effectively going, you need to do this or else I'm probably going to kill you. Like, you know, that's, exactly. That's pretty much coming and out, and she makes the point, make sure you don't fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I you get know. the feeling that's happened before or something. We're right. going to find out. Yeah. Like that she had to kill his previous wife, woman, girlfriend, whatever. Right. And and it's certainly going both ways as well, because I do like it when uh Narak leans in and he goes, Your mistake mm-hmm. uh in in respect to the the death of Darge as yeah. well. Yeah. Um so yeah, they're siblings, but I suspect they're competitive. Yeah. I think so. I think so too. I I'm just again also this is the only chat fash that we know of so far. Like we don't even know that they're chat fashion. Yeah, by the way, true. Yeah, they, we just know that they are Telciar to a degree, or we assume. Mm-hmm. Again, this again, like there's webs within webs within webs. It's mm-hmm. not going to be that fun deciphering, trying to figure out what it is. Absolutely. Um, but I just I think these two characters are going to be ones to watch. And I'm looking forward to finding out more about them. Exactly, exactly. Great fun, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the, as, as we said, it's kind of like Sherlock Holmes Picard is yeah. traveling yeah. the universe. It's kind of cool or like that. Um, my, my Omega directed my, my point in here. I just wanted to mention it because we have already kind of talked about it, but uh, the return of Hugh. Um, oh, Huey. <laughs> I love that you think that that's what he was called at any point. It was probably because you were watching it when you were about 10 years old. So he was called Huey to you. Nobody ever called him Huey. <laughs> well, he could have been part of the boys. Yeah, he's, he's still yeah. Huey. Huey, Huey. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you know, what, this is another kind of idea, I suppose, in the show that things aren't necessarily going as well for characters that you would have expected to go well. You know, the idea is uh, of the Borg really that uh, that developed over the next generation was that they have assimilated multiple cultures into themselves, taking pieces of cultures, taking people from various species and put them into the Borg collective. And the idea throughout the show was occasionally you would be able to save a member of the Borg bring them back to themselves, and eventually everything would be rosy for them kind of thing. That was explored much more over on Star Trek Voyager with Seven of Nine, another Borg that was reclaimed from the Collective. But you see Hugh, a character that was released from the Collective earlier uh, on on uh, Next Generation. Um, this character is effectively saying that from that point onwards, when he was released, nobody actually helps him out. Everybody looks at him as if he is still a member of the Borg. He, he's looked at as if he's still a member of the group that killed hundreds and hundreds of Starfleet officers and destroyed multiple nations. He's not allowed to kind of go back to being a regular human, which he was before he became Borg. So I, I really like that kind of position that they've put the character in. It shows some development. You know, it's not like he's living uh, out in the farm with, uh, with the wife and kids. You know, he says, really, even though he's no longer Borg, he can't really just assimilate back into normal life, which I just think is a nice touch on the character. Yeah, the, the XBs are becoming uh, a thing unto themselves. Um, yeah. And we also get the hints that they 
have formed a government of their own that they're selling the the, the Borg cube to the Romulans mm. that they're that they're trading technology or reclaim technology. Yeah, they've made this deal with the Romulan agency or not agency scientific type of thing mm-hmm. to bring p- other scientific agencies in. So we see some Vulcans, we see some humans, yeah. i.e. Soji. Um, so yeah, it looks like the XBs are onto themselves now becoming a uh, a species yeah, yeah. Uh, of many different species. That's probably a very yeah. scary thing if they're selling the most advanced technology in the universe to the highest bidder, and one of those highest bidders is the Federation's greatest enemy, the Romulans. You yeah. know, yeah, uh, probably not going to be a good idea. Like I, I was surprising Huey in the show at this moment um, <laughs> as this executive kind of director of the reclamation site because mm. it is a Romulan reclamation site. Mm. That's how it's described. Yeah. And so is he being forced? So initially I was thinking, is he being forced right. to to work for them? Like he's been captured because he is ex Borg or, but then when he said executive director, I was like, so he is kind of working for them. Yeah. Um, but then I like the fact that, as you say, that it's kind of been pretty, uh, pretty bad since he had broken away from the collective. Mm. Uh, and it, you know, I like the fact that he's, he just calls it out that, you know, treated either as a commodity or uh, as a threat. Yeah. Um, and, and so maybe I wonder if there's some, resentment towards the federation for for just leaving him and so that's why he's here with the romulans that i mean nothing like that came out really explicitly to me in the episode or maybe i just didn't sort of take that in or i missed it but um i i'm suspecting then uh if or when he does meet and see picard um, it may not necessarily be a happy ever after ending. Mm-hmm. Just a quick remembrance that just jogged my memory. Narek, uh, when Soji uh, is joking with um, Narek about if he wants to come with her mm-hmm. to to see the Borg and to see what she does, she he'd have to get permission um, uh, from the director. That's right. That would have been Hugh. Yes. Um, yeah. And he goes, that's, right. well, that's not a problem. Yeah. And I went, oh, because he's the secretly the director. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe. More than likely now, he's probably, he, like, he has a way with, or he has the ear of um, Hugh. Maybe. Like, Hugh has to probably report to Nair at some degree. Right, right. Um, he's the director, director. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. There's definitely some stuff that needs to be uncovered there uh, as as we go on in future and see what the actual position of Narek is on board the ship because it's kind of pointed out a couple of times. Like uh, you, you don't just sit around and do nothing. Obviously, on this ship, you're not. This isn't like a holiday destination for him. He's doing something, and he's he's there for a reason, and it's not just to get the information out of Soji. So, um, so we'll see what it might be. Yeah. So I think that moves us on to our final points for this episode. Make it so, number one. Derek, do you want to take us off? Yeah, I'll go first with the with the final point for the episode. Just a small moment that I want to talk about really is just the introduction of the new Captain Rios. Shirtless Captain Rios. Yeah, uh, sexy Captain Rios. <laughs> um, and his hologram. Hola. Yeah, it, it's something kind of important uh, in 
the history, I suppose, of, of Star Trek is having emergency holograms. Um, there was a character who was on Voyager who was the emergency medical hologram, who was the only doctor they had available to them for that entire series, effectively. So that he became his own character, very much the data of that series. Yes. Someone that was trying to self-realize, someone that's only supposed to be turned on for 10 or 15 minutes, but developed his own personality, effectively. And what we see here with the emergency medical hologram and the Irish for some reason, emergency and navigational hologram. They've both got personalities. They've both got quite intense personalities. So you feel like Captain Rios probably turns them on for very long periods and maybe they're his only crewmates, someone to run navigation, someone to take care of uh, of any kind of medical emergencies and then him on his own. So I like what they told you about the state of Captain Rios's mind, uh, or former Captain Rios, I suppose. Um, he seems like he's someone that was in Starfleet. They're saying his former ship was completely scrubbed from Starfleet records. He mentions his former commander died right in front of him with his brains spread across the wall. So what is it that happened to Rios? Why was his captain killed in front of his face? And why was it scrubbed from Starfleet records? All great, interesting questions. But also, why is he surrounding himself with emergency holograms instead of actual people? Uh, kind of cool. I got the feeling of... Do you remember the film Multiplicity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. I think we're going to end up. There's going to be more than just the E A E M H and the E N H. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a the emergency the emergency chef in the kitchen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the emergency chef hologram yeah. and the emergency toilet cleaner hologram. No, I think we're going to get other ones. Maybe each with this kind of very unique, strong personality, different yeah. versions of Rios. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to either have been an attack. Uh, on he they went deep space undercover for against the Ramun or the Borg. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be one of those two. Absolutely. So when when Rios meets uh, the Romulans or the Borg in that part, he'll have a big PTSD moment. Maybe kind of something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a reasonably small ship, isn't it? This uh, this new ship. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do mention the name of the ship that he was second in command aboard. That's been scrubbed from the Starfleet records. We tried catching whether the the other ship was named this ship that Picard's on because I think it's going to be pretty important to know the name of the ship at least. Yeah, I don't Enterprise for all seven seasons. Exactly. So. I don't think it was, but it, the, mm. his previous ship was a heavy cruiser, the even Magit or something like that. Right. Um, we will know more when we have some time. Definitely. <laughs> I, I like the fact, again, maybe another bit of bitterness towards Starfleet here from Rios. Um, but I, I like it when Jean-Luc goes, I can recognize that you're Starfleet to the core. I can smell it off you. I thought mm-hmm. that was nice. Yeah. Um, and certainly, yes, I don't know whether... Uh, chucking a glass of alcohol onto your wound is necessarily the best way to disinfect it, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's always done. Another, another. I know it is. Show. Yeah. Uh, just one little touch that I like before I move on from before we move on from this point. I love that moment where you see him, uh, Captain Rios. You see him being tended to, and Picard walks aboard this brand new ship, looks at the captain's chair, and walks off to sit in a navigation chair at the front. I love that he just kind of swerves away yeah. from the captain's chair. It's a lovely little touch uh, that I, I didn't notice the first time I watched. I just watched the conversation between the two of them, but the second time you can really see him eyeing up the captain's chair and just moving past it to yeah, sit definitely. in a different position. I thought it was kind of a cool little touch. Until the end. Until the end, yes. He's off. Uh, well, he's standing at the end, but he's probably going to be sitting Off, to, off center. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump in very quickly then. Um, so... Towards the end, so we've been introduced to Captain Rios, we mm-hmm. meet his crew of holograms, and we basically end up with Picard and his crew, this ragtag group of 
kind of uh, ex Starfleeters that are going to be together and yep. going to form the crew of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two notable exceptions on this for me. Why isn't Laris and Zaban part of this? Because they mm-hmm. really showed their military worth exactly, in yeah, in Chateau Picard, and why they need to be there because of their knowledge of the Romulans and everything, mm-hmm. um, and their understanding. They have a discussion about it, yeah, about going. There's no decision really made mm. because Laris does kind of go, well, you're being stupid going, even thinking about going. And Zaban's like, no, we need to be there. Right. And then the attack happens. Yep. And then it's just like, nope, I was fully expecting like Picard to basically beam up and then already be on the ship. Yeah. Or I thought all four of them were beaming up at, yeah. that, at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, agree. I, think, I think leaving Laris behind, she's definitely one of my favorite characters yeah. on the show so yeah. far. Unfortunately, maybe it's, they're just going to have to call into her. There is a kind of a drop line, but it's not enough to explain why they're there. Um, you hear Jeban just before he's about to kill the Romulan that they're interrogating. You hear him say, effectively, we need to kill this guy because there's more on the way. Um, so potentially they're there to make sure that num- poor little number one, doggy number one, uh, isn't left alone to chat up a card. And so their security for number one, maybe. Um, but it needed, it needed a little bit more of that line to Definitely. explain, you know, this is his land. This is his property. Somebody needs to tend it and somebody needs to take care of it. But you don't leave two security officers of this kind of caliber yeah. behind. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I'm with you because I, I really wish they had gone along on, on this trip. And I'm hoping that maybe... They will come later on. I, I think it's a missed opportunity if if they don't, if they're kind of just they're dropped in, called in, like mm-hmm. if they're the Bosley or the kind of the actual Charities mm-hmm. of Picard's Angels, right? That they, they we kind of just get a the, them over on speaker mm-hmm. when we need some exposition yeah. about the Chatvash or the the the, the Romulans, etc. Yeah. If that is the case, they have to come back for season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they absolutely. have to be pulled back in because, as you said, with two episodes out airing while we, as we record this, mm-hmm. people love these two characters. Absolutely. And I don't yeah. know if, if they, people, that maybe the writers or the, the, the early screeners just didn't, that didn't come across or whatever, but I feel this is a massive miss if they are not part of this group yeah and and just to round out the group so to speak then uh raffi has turned up here to join them but she is only going to go as far as free cloud uh but also we get dr gerati as well and there's a little shadow of distrust hanging over her because we do see her meet with commodore o um the vulcan the the commodore uh, vulcan from episode two who Mm -hmm. also was with um lieutenant rizzo yeah and a massively creepy entrance from commander (laughs) oh yes exactly staring uh, absolutely like like dr gerardi is listening to a classical piece i don't know how long into that piece it is but some can be hours long like was commodore o standing over her shoulder just waiting for her to finish like an hour-long piece (laughs) on her headphones Oh, I'll be over here until she turns around. Just, just waiting. She never does, and she's <laughs> just like... <clears throat> but, <clears throat> but that's the thing. She doesn't even do that. She doesn't yeah. even cough to say, I'm here. She, she could have literally been standing there for hours. <laughs> exactly. Um, look over your shoulder. Come on. I mean, I can see why Dr. Gerati is there and why Picard would want her. Mm. But And maybe she's done enough to convince him. But yes, again, 
Trust no one, as uh, Mulder always used to say in yeah. the X-Files. Because I know we say that there was an assist from Jurati to come in behind the Romulan and kill the final Romulan who was about to kill them, but the timing's impeccable. Yep. Yeah. And after only just meeting with Commodore Rowe, yeah, you're kind of going, mm, maybe throwing a little shade on that character that uh, that could be the Tilly of this series. She could be the really happy, excitable one that's out in space, finally realizing her life. But she could also be uh, the hidden problem on the mission. So, yeah. um, like uh, from a writing standpoint, I will say maybe Laris and Jabon aren't aboard this ship because we've already been introduced to them. We already know them. We already like those characters. We're now being introduced to three more characters that we need to get more detail out of, including Dr. Girardi. We know only a very small amount about her. We know almost nothing about Rafi, and we need to build that relationship. And we have this brand new captain, Captain Rios, who's only just introduced in this episode. So maybe they just felt having five brand new characters aboard the ship along with Picard might have been too much to kind of keep the balance of the show so maybe they had to take some people out of the mix to just for a couple of episodes maybe. well we've also got one notable exception so far mm. for this whole and we're three episodes in which is we we do know that Jerry Ryan mm-hmm. seven of nine is in the show yeah and yes. is a big part of the show mm-hmm. so we have to assume she will be introduced in the next episode yeah uh, and will form part of this crew. Or sometime in the future and is up against this crew or up against Starfleet. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, I, I'm wondering whether she's just on the side of Hugh and it's something in the interactions between Hugh and Seven of Nine are going to be quite interesting, I think. Uh, two people removed from the Borg Collective maybe had different experiences over time or maybe had the same experience. They're both on the same side. So it'll be interesting to see how that how she plays in the series. Yeah. But it will also be interesting if she's in... Seven of ten, uh, if she arrives in episode seven of the ten episodes of the season. Um, anyway, that's just a terribly bad joke. Uh, yep. John, do you want to give us your final number one moment of this episode? Yes, my number one moment, and it is a small moment, is one word, engage. Uh, I have to say, um, yes, that was just great uh, having... Jean-Luc Picard say the word as they blast off mm-hmm. uh, into space um, from the orbit of Earth. Loved yeah. it. it was, again, you can see why uh, Patrick Stewart wanted the first three episodes to be done um, at the premiere, like was done in, in in London that you attended, Derek. But it was done in um, LA. in LA. Yeah. So you can imagine that being the final moment of those three episodes, oh, where man. it's like engage, and it's just like, yep. Just so good. Yeah, that is literally the only reason, I think, like, why screeners only up to this were given to episode three, Mm -hmm. because it is such Mm -hmm. a closing moment. Yeah, it's such an iconic moment, because there's there's a bit of a joy as well in Picard's face when he's delivering that. You know, it's it's for everybody. You see Dr. Gerardi even smile at us. Why would she know that the word engage is important to Star Trek fans? You know, why would she react that way? But it's such a powerful moment that you have this character, Patrick Stewart, on board uh, the bridge of a, of a new vessel saying the word engage going into that moment. Like we've, we've been to conventions where we've seen episodes of TV shows with a room full of fans. I can only imagine what the reaction yeah. was in LA uh, to this particular It must moment. have been mental and mm-hmm. just joy. Yeah. Tears. Yeah. And the other, the other big part of this is they're actually now getting to space. Yeah, exactly. yeah, we're going into the star part yeah. of the trek. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Not Earth trek, yeah. Star trek. Yeah. It just yeah, no, it, and it's, it, it's so weird that it's taken this long. I, I know it's just a strange thing. It's just so strange mm-hmm. that it's taken th- three episodes. 
I think so, but I think, like I said in in the first episode, I have enjoyed seeing a bit of Starfleet yeah. Federation yeah. Earth. To yeah. be honest, it's it's been really good. Um, but of course, we always knew there was going to be the space moment, and so yeah, it's come. And uh, yeah, looking forward to episode four. So, Excellent. so uh, with that, I think it's time for something else. Isn't there something else you have to do? Any other points, Easter eggs, or comic connections that you noticed? Uh, Derek, you're up first. Uh, I think we mentioned most of the stuff that I ha- had noted uh, throughout the episode here. I uh, just wanted to mention the ironically uh, titled book that uh, Captain Rios is reading is called The Tragic Sense of Life by Miguel de Unamuno. Uh, apparently, this is one of the most famous books that's ever been written by a Spanish-speaking author. Um, but it kind of does speak to where Captain Rios is. Um, what I'd be intrigued in, you know, he surrounded himself by uh, emergency holograms all with his own face uh, in this show. And what I'd be intrigued in is maybe as he gets better or as people kind of point out how weird it is that you have a crew looking exactly like you, maybe you need to change their faces to some of the default settings. We might get a Robert Picardo um, appearance from the doctor, the the emergency medical hologram, as he cycles through some of the options available that aren't that don't look like him. I'm wondering if part of his psychological issue is kind of being shown here as him having some problems in his tragic life and surrounding himself with holograms that look exactly like himself. And someone may point out in the future, mm, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, and maybe that will lead to another Easter egg in future. How about that? Yeah, no, that'd be a good one. <laughs> I've just got one, actually. And it's just something I noticed um, in the opening credits um, because went back to look at the Bruce Maddox episode from The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, were measure of a Man. The measure of a Man, yes, uh, were... Uh, some of the, the the objects that Data is looking to take with him that have a sentimental value is this kind of hologram crystal mm-hmm. uh, that uh, has uh, Tashiya uh, being projected from it. And that is also in the opening sequence, this Ooh. kind of holographic uh, crystal. It's kind of like the um, Crystal Maze dodecahedron um, <laughs> final boss level in in the crystal maze right. quiz uh, which for those of you who um are not from uk or ireland was a quiz show which um is still running today uh, and uh, as well. yeah it was great fun great fun um but yeah it's that kind of uh shape, shape yeah and i, I kind of had it in my head as like a holographic memory crystal it's yes like, that it's kind like of a thing. specific 3d photograph that he used to hold of tasha yara so interesting that that appears in the uh, opening of the credits of the episode yes exactly yeah. yep um once again i don't know what the easter eggs are but i know there are plenty of easter eggs <laughs> in the boring part of the uh the part of this episode yeah um so the romulans being there i know the tarot card type puzzle game mm-hmm. that, that she's playing I'm pretty sure I've seen that before. Oh, maybe. Um, I don't know if it was explained, but I'm pretty sure we've seen something like yeah, that before. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's just ringing a bell. We'll get it. So I'm yeah. hopefully one of our um, fellow listeners can come back and tell us where. Um, but again, also the Borg, because there's so many people, there's so many different uh, species. There's it's just going to be. Again, I know there's Easter eggs there. I just couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. What I did like, and I, th- I think we should call it out here, it's more to do with the uh, the makeup design for the show. Uh, just the appearance of Hugh um, as a former Borg with all of his pieces taken off his face. I have to say, if you put it side by side with an image of the character back from the next generation, the positioning of all of the pieces um, on his face to replace 
what were implants from the Borg is so perfect. Like they really have yeah. done a great job of putting yeah. it's you know, fascinating. My, yeah, like yeah. his eye was replaced as a Borg. Um, and when they've removed this piece, they've given him the fake eye. So one eye is blue and one eye is, is natural. Um, it just those kind of little touches. It's, it's a fairly simple thing, but you have to give out some kind of praise for, for the work that they've done to make sure this all kind of lines up in the universe, which is great. Yeah. No, completely. Yeah. Let's go to some quick final thoughts in the episode. John, overall, what did you think of Star Trek Picard episode three? I, I really, I, I liked it. Um, I would give it four Romulan acid baths out of five, uh, or face Ooh, peels, wow. shall we say? Um, I, I, I just really liked um, Rafi and Picard in this. I loved the fourteen years ago linking in with present day um, in in the in the show uh, at her house in this Vasquez rocks. Um, the the whole sort of interconnection between the interrogation at Picard's house of the Romulan uh, Death Squad guy, along with Soji uh, and Rhonda's discussion, where you know that there there's this massive portent of doom and destruction coming yeah. from Soji and and who she is and and what she's doing. But of course, I think ultimately, um, I, I just love the fact that we have engage at the end. And whilst I have. Uh, enjoyed my time on Federation Earth. It is time to go out into the the deep, dark, cold, and vacuum of space yeah. with John Luke at the helm, along with the new sexy Captain Rios, of course, uh, as well. <laughs> sure, the sexy um, Captain Rios. with his wounds and all his conquests. See, I probably sort of bed notches or something. Like that. <laughs> I don't know, um, but certainly uh, looking forward to this. As I say. A bit like with Chris, uh, I just kind of wish that Laris and Zeban had uh, tagged along as well. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been uh, really good. But I don't think they are over yet. No, I'm, I don't think that's the last So we'll, let's yeah. see how they get reintegrated, shall I'm we say. telling you, another ta- attack by the Romulans on Shadow Picard and the two of them plus number one fight them off it'll be awesome um yeah my my general thoughts on this episode really enjoyed it but i this is the final setup episode that's needed to turn the series into the star trek picard series uh exactly as you guys are saying you know there there needs to be stars there needs to be a trek he's on the track now off we go with seven episodes of them in space investigating this uh this massive interesting plot that's been set up really well in the first three episodes but i'm kind of at this point, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm, I'm alongside this new crew. I want to see what they're all like, how they all work together, and and how they get through this mystery uh, in the rest of the episode. So a really good one. Uh, overall, there's loads of great stuff that happened in this episode, but I'm now ready uh, to go on board with them uh, off into space. Yep. Um, very quickly from me, um, I think everyone's already kind of guessed. I think, personally, my pacing, I was ready like 40 minutes ago, mm-hmm. about one episode ago. Um, I don't know. I'm still happy it's done. I'm happy what we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm not complaining. I just believe potentially it could have been sped up slightly more because I want the star. I want the track. Yeah. I want the space. Um, but now that we're there, I'm happy to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I'm, I kind of raised my points about where we are getting with Narek, what, what was going to happen with Lar, why we don't have Laris. Um, potentially she'll be reintroduced further down the line. That's the main thing. Also, the thing to remember is that season two of this is already confirmed and three, they got a green light already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think while season episode one aired, or just after episode one aired about concepting 
uh, season three. What could possibly what happen could in season happen three? In season three. Right. Yeah. So the thing to remember is that we're, we've already got at least another seventeen episodes mm. of this show. Um, so I'm happy to see where it goes from here. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to episode four. Cool. Excellent stuff that kind of closes out our thoughts on episode three of Stretch Out Picard. If you want to send us your thoughts, as I mentioned earlier on, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or join us over at our Facebook group. We love if you join us on the Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Come in, say hello. It's nice to have chats uh, when we're not ta- not podcasting as well. Um, if you want to hear your voice in the podcast, you can email us with your thoughts to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or go over to the website tvpodcastindustries.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts after you've watched the episode. Uh, we really do love hearing from everybody that sends in their thoughts to us. We have one last piece of business off to 10 forward. Yes, the 10 forward pub quiz and the question for episode three. Remember, send in your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Just tag it with the question or questions and pub quiz, the the Picard pub quiz. Grab yourself a Klingon Rakstak Gino, you know, that Klingon coffee. Probably haven't pronounced that right. You can maybe (laughs) uh, sexy it up with a bit of the Rios... uh, liquor that he was chucking on his wounds um as well <laughs> you know spanish it up or irish it up yeah uh, exactly it, yeah. uh or, or a bit of tia maria so it's a calypso rack nice. uh, for sure yes uh but the question is what year is the chateau picard vintage drank by raffi and jean-luc as they dredge up the past jl as she or JL, well. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> That's interesting, and there is a little Easter egg in that one as well. So uh, have a look, check out what year it is, and you might you'll you'll see the Easter egg pretty quickly as well. So uh, yeah, excellent, excellent. So the question for this week is: What year is the Chateau Picard Vintage drank by Raffi and Jean Luc as they dredge up the past? Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies. We'll be back next week with episode four of Star Trek Picard. But some slight changes from this point onwards. As we've mentioned, we got these three episodes as screeners. So we've been lucky enough to be able to record these episodes and have them ready and available as soon as the embargo lifts for the reviews. This is the last of those episodes. So it means we'll be able to watch the episodes just as at the same time as everybody else. We'll record on either Friday or Saturdays usually. And we'll have the episodes out later than that. So probably Saturday or Sunday you'll hear our episode uh, discussion for episode four. But the good news is that means you're able to send in your feedback after you've seen the episode and we'll discuss it immediately on the podcast. So, uh, yes. yeah, make sure you send in your feedback as soon as you've watched the episode. Exactly. And remember, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies, supporters any way you can, share the love, share the podcast, rate us, leave a review, or you can head on over uh, to patreon.com forward slash TV podcast industries where you can also support us over there. Yes, we'll be back next week. Gentlemen, I think it's time we say goodbye. Yes, thank you, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. Again, a pleasure speaking with you. Mm-hmm. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and engage. And if you can possibly record a podcast in the same room as you're at a podcast house, it's awesome. Yes. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming over. It's okay. Next time you're coming to me. <laughs> Excellent. Bye, everybody. Bye. Make it so. Bye.